Let's start with some prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that uh, we can experience your love each and every day, but as we gather corporately together uh, on Valentine's Day, I just pray that you be with us this morning, that you would minister to our hearts, uh, to our minds, our bodies, and our souls. Lord, we pray for uh, unity for those that are married. Um, Father, for those that are single, I pray that just the intimacy with you, Jesus, would reign supreme. Lord, I pray for uh, salvation today. I pray for uh, people to be searching and seeking and, and wrestling and struggling with um, the truth. Lord, I pray for um, just love to abide in this place. So we give this morning back to you. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Aaron. Would you stand with us as we sing some songs, three or four here together in worship to our Lord.
at the cross.
Father, these songs really tell the truth. They tell us about your word and who you are and your goodness and mostly your love for us and how you um, paid such a tremendous price for the forgiveness of our sin. It just doesn't even, it's hard to even comprehend. But Lord, we know that you've asked us to just accept that love, that love and forgiveness and that you, will, you welcome us into your kingdom and to your family. <clears throat> so we, each and every one of us, uh, as we sing these songs, have sung these songs, uh, do that. And we, uh, we thank you, Lord, how you've changed us and how you're working through our lives. Father, we know it's because of your love, and it's just the love that you, you, unlike any other religion in the world or any other philosophy or faith, your, your design for us is to love you and for you to love us back, and that's incredible knowledge to have that. So, Lord, as our pastor now speaks to us and tells us of what the Word of God has to say, we pray that you will bless him, bring to his memory the things he's prepared, uh, help us to have hearts that are soft, that will listen, and be tender that your Holy Spirit can work and change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I wish you a blessed uh, Valentine's Day as well. Uh, I'm missing my Valentine's. Uh, she is supposed to be flying back tomorrow, but the weather is... Uh, Oh, you know, it's just not cooperating, and so uh, we'll see. She has already had one flight canceled and rescheduled, and so maybe, Fred, you could go get her. Would you do that? Okay, all right. Thanks. <laughs> well, please take out your notes and turn in your Bible to the little book of Jude. Jude is all the way to the right. It's right before Revelation, which is the last book in your Bible, and this little book, Jude, we're going to read one verse in a, in a few moments, I want to say some opening uh, remarks uh, before we get into that. You know, uh, like you, many of, of us, when we were at school, the, the teacher would say something like, um, all right, I, I want you to go to another person in the class, and I want you to share something about yourself to that or talk about something. And so she'd have, or he would have all the students, you know, get up out of their, out of their desk area, their, their seat, and then they would walk around and they would talk about whatever was, you know, whatever was the subject. Let's think about that this morning that, you know, if we were to do uh, something like that, and we're not going to, so don't, don't be scared, but if we were to do something like that, we would get up and, and we'd have everybody go around and, and say, uh, I want to share my purpose, uh, my life's purpose about what God is doing or, or what God has called me to do. I wonder what we'd say. Now, if you're here and you, and you say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't know what I would say. Well, I want you to really zone in on the next series of messages, but because we're going to talk about the purpose that God has for our lives. And so we're going to go through this the next five Sundays. We're going to talk about this, that I'm called, 
God has a purpose for each of us. There's no one excluded. If you're a child of God, God has a purpose for you. Uh, God wants to love you. If you, He wants to use you, there is a purpose for all of our lives. And if you're here that you say, well, I'm not sure if I'm a child of God, God still has a purpose. And that purpose is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. We just sang about that. So today is the second week of a sermon series called, uh, I Am Called by God. So the next five Sundays, we're going to go to God's Word and discover how God has called us to something. And uh, now this is connected also to our Wednesday night study that we are currently doing, and which is called, uh, What on Earth Am I Here For? And so this is talking about our life purpose. As we think about our purpose, let me give you a subtle hint. It isn't about you. You see, your purpose is bigger than yourself. It isn't about me. It isn't about you. There's something bigger going on than that. But to understand life's purpose, we have to begin with God. The one who created life, who put it all together. Discovering our purpose begins with discovering who God is. It isn't buried deep within ourselves to be found. That's the, that's the turtle maneuver. <laughs> withdrawal, just look at myself. This isn't where you're going to find your purpose. Your purpose is found in God. Listen, you can't tell yourself what your life purpose is. Let me put it this way. To know God is to know your purpose in life. You say, well, who is God? Well, we could talk about all day, you know, and, and several subjects we come up, we go through the Bible, and, and uh, but we could say a lot of things. But one of the things that God wants to bring to the top in knowing who God is this, that God is love. This is really important, that we know and believe that God doesn't just have love. He is love. God doesn't just show his love. He is love. This is important, my friend. We need to let this sink deep into our hearts. We need to grow roots in this and to be established that God is love. If there is no God in the universe, there would be, uh, if there's no God in the universe, there would be no love. There is no love in hell, because God is not there. Hell is an eternal separation from God, eternal separation, which means from love. God is love. This is his nature, his character, his essence. This is who God is. And the only reason that you and I can love or experience love is because God is love. And listen, my friend, we were created in his image. We were created to be loved, and we were created to love. We can't say that about the animals, but we can say about us as humans at being created in God's image. We have the ability to love and to be loved because God exists and we are created in his image. So the Bible says that everything in the universe was created so that God would love it. I believe that God loves the sunsets. They're beautiful. I love the sunsets. I love the sunrises, but I can't see them where, where we're living at, but we can see the sunsets. I love that. God loves the stars, the trees, and the bees, and the rocks. God has, made, uh, has never made anything that he doesn't love. And he made you and me, my friend, to love. 
He made us so that He could love us. Now listen closely. The first purpose of your life is not to serve God. The first purpose of your life is not to trust God. The first purpose of your life is not to obey God. first purpose of your life is not even to love God. Now, the first purpose of your life is to let God love you. You know, the Scripture says we love God because He first loved us. I didn't create you in the first place to do something. He created you in the first place to receive something. And this is His love. And if we get a hold of this, it'll transform our lives. That my number one purpose in life is not to do something for God. It's to receive something from God. To get His love because I was made to be the receptacle, a receiver, a benefactor of God's love. Your first thing in life is not to do something. It is, it's not to learn. It's not to listen. It's not to pray. It's not to give. It's not to sacrifice. It's not to serve. Those are all good things. I'm driving the point home that our first thing that God created you to do is to accept and to receive His love. From that flows all those other things. To just let God love us. That's the first purpose of life, to be loved by God. Simply put, as is said on the screen, I am called by God to be loved. Would you mind saying that with me out loud? I am called by God to be loved. Now let's look at Jude chapter 1. Uh, actually, there's only one chapter. <laughs> Jude, verse 1. It says here, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. You see, Jude was a very humble man. He was the half-brother of Jesus Christ, and through the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ, Mary, who was a virgin, she had, uh, uh, you know, Jesus. And she had other children, you know, through a relationship by marriage to Joseph and and uh, there were others, and, and James was one of them. We've talked about James being the brother of Jesus. And then uh, uh, here we have Jude. Now Jude, as he starts off, he doesn't reference that he is a brother of Jesus. But in, in fact, he identifies himself as a humble servant of Jesus Christ. So Jude says, we are called. You notice the word called. And the word, uh, call, uh, the word uh, believe, I mean, uh, be, uh, beloved. And this is the way Jude starts this, this uh, great little book here. That he writes this letter and he wants to identify that he is a servant of Jesus Christ, beloved of God, that you and I are called by God to be loved. That's what the beloved means, to be loved, to be dearly loved. And this is the way Jude starts this. I am called by God to be loved. Our number one purpose in life is not to accomplish something great for God, uh, but to uh, allow God to love us, not to make something of ourselves. Our pur your purpose is not to make a lot of money or make life of one big a party. Your number one purpose is to be loved by God. God wants to love you. 
God designed us, desire to love us. So our first purpose in life is not to do something, but to receive something, to receive the love of God. And we came to Sunday morning service. And, uh, you know, we came in, and perhaps someone came in this morning, and you had your guard up. You had your defense mechanism. You have your wall up because, you know, coming to God, that, uh, you know, that uh, learning about God and hearing about God, that he's going to ask something from you. You know, you, you think, you know, the, the, whoever's going to put the pressure on me to give to the offering, or, or I'm gonna, he's going to make me feel guilty about my time, or, or, or take my fun away. And, and so when we come to, on Sunday with the, with the first purpose of our lives, is this, that I am called to be, to be loved by God. God wants to love on us. When we walk through those doors, God wants something that will say, I love you. And to experience it, whether it's through the music, whether it's through the fellowship, God wants to know that he has something for you. To know that you are loved, that we should leave this service Today, knowing that we have experienced the love of God, this is God's desire for us, that he wants to love us. Our lives would be tremendously impacted. Our lives would be different, transformed, if we're aware of God's unconditional, continuous, and never-ending love for us. Our life would be changed. When you get up in the morning, first thing you think about, oh, God loves me. I wonder how God is going to love me today. I wonder what God is going to do. I am deeply and unconditionally loved by God. That is what God wants us to believe in. Get up and eat our breakfast, and we go to work, and we go to school, feeling that we are loved by God. What would it be like if you felt God's love unconditionally in your life totally? That we're aware of it all the time, how that would transform our lives. I'll remind you again that God's, for, in your notes, God's first purpose for my life is to be loved by God. That's what God wants to know most of all, that he wanted us to be here because he loves us and he wants to love us. And God created me to love me. God created me love. So I'm going to give you five things. When we think about this position that we, we are unconditionally, eternally loved by God, that when we are in this position, there are five fruits of that. There are five truths that, that, that will transform your life because of knowing, full aware, and believing that God loves me. The first one is, I feel accepted rather than ashamed. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. When I know I'm loved by God, I feel accepted rather than shame. Many people try to avoid God because they're ashamed. They feel guilty. They feel condemned or judged. They don't measure up. 
They may look at God as, as God is, as perfection or perfect, and, and to know to hang out with God is, is to hang out with perfection. It's like, you know, it's like, how can you measure up? You just go next to that person who is just so perfect, and because you're here and with them, and you see yourself that you're so imperfect, and, and you don't like to hang out with God. Some people are like that. It's only going to remind me that I am not perfect. And I believe that our whole life we're kind of program, programmed this way about acceptance and, and being perfect. We are th- programmed to, to think like this as a child. If you don't do this, you don't do this, you get a, you know, you get a, a timeout in a corner. You're no longer, you can't, you'll be dismissed from the table. You, you know, because of that behavior. You go to you know, your room, you have, you have a, uh, you know, uh, because of, of the, there's something that is wrong. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't discipline children and as parents that we need to do that. But at the same time, as God does us, when he corrects us, we know that it is because he loves us. And when parents correct their children, Discipline. We need to sit them down and say, I am doing this because I love you. I am giving them affirmation. I am showing them that I love them. And then there is, because I love you, there is a correction that needs to take place. <laughs> I remember our kids. Uh, we would always sit down, and they even, you know, mock me now to, today when I would set one of my uh, kids down and I was getting ready to discipline them and I would always say you know I love you and then after the, the discipline we would always have this hug you know and they didn't like it but today they love it <laughs> at least they say they do when God corrects us as the Bible says in Hebrews He's doing that out of love. And we're a whole life, if, if we don't receive that affirmation and we just receive the correction part, we tend to think, well, I'm not worthy enough. I can't, I can't meet up to my parents' standard. I, I'm accepted here. And we go to school, and, and the kids at school, they, they pick up teams, and maybe we're the last one to be picked. And we, we say, you know, I, I'm not good enough for the team. I'm not good enough for this clique. I'm not good enough for this group. Or, or we go to uh, work and, and uh, school, and all these things have a connection with our acceptance. And we, we, you know, girls will see somebody on TV, and there'll, there'll be some model with, with paintbrush and uh, looking, and, and, and they'll see that and they'll say, well, I could never look like that. I could never be like that person. And we feel like that we're not accepted because we're not good enough. We don't perform. We don't uh, measure up. We can even come to our marriages with expectations of performance. Now, you love me, and then you do this, and I'll do this. This contractual view of marriage. And we come to God and we bring this program, how we've been programmed, a program to be accepted, to got to perform. If I don't perform, I won't be accepted. So when we come to God, we come to God thinking God will only love me when I do a lot of good things. 
We, we will only be accepted if, if I have this, this, this performance that meets up to obedience to God. In other words, God's love is contingent upon, upon whether we obey or not. Listen, you remember when Jesus was baptized? He was there in the Jordan, you know, he came to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, no, don't baptize me. I mean, don't, I can't baptize you, I'm not worthy. And, and Jesus says, no, John, baptize. So he went to the Jordan River, went down in the river, and as they were in the river, and remember how that, that when Jesus came up out of the water, out he was immersed in that water, being baptized, completely immersed, he comes out of that water, and the Bible says that God the Father speaks down to his son, and he says, this is my beloved son, my beloved son, the one who I love, whom I am well pleased. Now we stop and think, well, yeah, it was because of the baptism, and yes, he, he was an obedient, and, and every believer who, who follows God should be baptized. That's part of uh, obedience and a part of our love and following Jesus. Yes, that is true. But when you stop and think about where Jesus was in his ministry, in his life, in all four Gospels, it has the birth of, excuse me, the baptism of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went down into the water, when he came up the water, the, the Father said, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Jesus didn't have a lot of accomplishments that we know of in life. We, we believe that this was the beginning of his ministry. There was no miracles recorded. We believe that the first miracle was, was, was after this. And there was no, you know, preaching. In fact, it, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's not recorded. We don't find anyone who had became a disciple of Jesus Christ, or had become a follower of God, who was converted to Christianity before Jesus' baptism. We couldn't put a lot of things up that we know of. How Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus, he is so beloved. But this is the, this is the heart of God, that he loves us. He loves us. Ephesians 1, verse chap, chapter 1, in, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every special blessing in the heavenly places. Even has he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And we're going to talk about, it's going to mention about, about being beloved. So we stop and think that before we, any, a, a child of God, before the beloved had produced any works, anything of, of good, God says that he chose him. And he talks about his love before the works, before the, the things that uh, we could say that, we had accomplished uh, in the name of God. He said, even as he chose us in him before the foundation, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And, then, and it says, in love he predestinated us. He foreknew us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. This is his purpose. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, to know that we are called by God to be loved. We are loved. We're in the beloved. That God created us to love us. I am called to be loved by God. When we get a hold of this one point here, 
It frees us from the bondage of trying to meet everyone's approval. This frees us from spending a lot of time of money and energy to fit in or be accepted. When, when the whole time God is staying right here, He's saying, I love you, I accept you as one of my children. He does this by looking at us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who Jesus is like a filter that removes all the imperfection. When God the Father looks at us, He sees His beloved. We're in Jesus Christ. Has the God the Father called down from heaven and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased as he baptized. He is my beloved. The same thing that God calls down and reaches down and talks to us in our hearts and calls us our beloved like Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says, if God has, says his chosen ones are acceptable him, if God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, and they are, can anybody bring charges against him? No. The answer is no. Or can anybody condemn them? The answer is no. Despite all the criticism, no. Because I feel accepted rather than shamed. My first purpose that God created me is to be loved. And when we are loved, we know God loves us. doesn't matter what other people think. Because in that love, he accepts us. And we don't have to be ashamed about that. When I experience the unconditional love, number two, I am bold in bringing my needs to God. In this position of experiencing God's love, we come to God like a son or a daughter asking our Loving Father to help us with our needs. As the song says, as a good, good Father. We believe that God loves us and we are bold. We are bold to talk to Him as our Father, dear Father. When you become a child of God, you have an all-access pass into God Himself. And God says, all you got to do is Come to me. All you got to do is talk to me. As, as any son or as any daughter that comes to a loving father, they, they open the door and they give the entrance to him. I said that one time there was a story about Abraham Lincoln. And uh, it said that uh, when he was president and, and uh, there was this man who wanted to go in and talk to the president to plead for the life of his son and and he was denied and denied and denied to going to see the president. And they said that as he was standing outside and waiting to be in, he started crying. And this little boy looked at him and said, what's the matter, mister? And the, little, and the man said, well, I wanted to see the president because my son, I want to ask pardon for him. And I, and, and I want to talk to the president about him. And, and the little boy said, well, come with me. And so the little boy grabbed the guy's hand and he walked him to the office and he walked him right in and he knocked on the president's door, went in the president's door and there was Abraham Lincoln sitting at his desk. And the little boy said, Dad, this guy wants to talk to you. And he got an audience with the president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. 
This is the way we are. When we know that we are loved and we have this relationship with God and we feel loved, we're going to go to God. And we're not going to feel ashamed. We're going to come to Him boldly with confidence, knowing that He loves me and He cares about me, even the littlest, silliest things. I lost my keys. I'm having a bad hair day, you know, whatever it could be. I'm ha- those things that we come to God because He loves us, we go boldly to Him and talk to Him about those needs. He has called me to be loved by Himself. Number three, I have peace in pain I don't understand. We're going, in life we're going to go through a lot of unpleasant things and things that we don't understand. And you might be here right now and you are going through something that you just don't understand. You don't get. You're trying to compute this and say, well, God is so God. You're you're telling me he loves me, but this is what's happening in my life. I cannot comprehend this. I can't put it together. God, if you really love me, And these are very natural things. These are the things that we all, in some part of our life, in some season, we're going to ask God, why, God? Why did you allow this happen? God, why is that there? You know, with God and things of life, just like with Job, there are some things that we'll never understand. And that's just the the truth. There are things that we will go through in life that we will not understand. This will maybe not help to maybe ease the pain, but it's a truth, is that you and I will not fully understand everything in life. We'll go through life with losses that we won't understand and hurts that we won't Uh, We won't get rejections that don't make sense and problems that we can't figure out. This is life. But we can still have peace. You know, if we were to say and explain what you're going through and maybe you have a loved one and we've had people who have lost loved ones recently... And if we could walk alongside them and say, you know, I, I, I have a clear explanation. God has given to me, and I'll explain what all the loss was. Even the explanation will not, will not help you stop feeling the loss. The pain will still be there. You see, I have peace and pain. I don't understand. But we can have peace. And the reason we can have peace because it comes through the presence of Jesus Christ. What you need is not an explanation when we go through these times. We need the presence of God. We need what the Bible calls the peace that passes all understanding. And Philippians 4, 7 says this, the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not an explanation that will help us through the pain. It is the presence of the Savior. It is He, it is the whom that will bring peace in our life. And God's love does not exempt you from pain or suffering in this life. Christians, we all have the same exact pain and suffering as anyone else. 
those who with, with God or those who are without God. The difference is, is that we can have peace. That peace can have the peace that passes understanding where I can trust God in a moment when everything is falling apart around me. And there's a promise in the Bible. It says this, and we looked at this last Sunday, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, even the bad things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's that promise, that calling, that purpose, that God is going to be there and he's going to work everything out to good, and he gives us peace. You see, when we live the calling and we live out our purpose and we let God's love love us and we love God back, we can know in all things God is working for the good of those who love him. And that gives us peace that passes understanding. Number four, when we know that we are loved by God, we're created to be loved by him, I gain the courage to take a risk. We were talking yesterday about, you know, parachuting and getting up in an airplane and doing all that. And somebody said, you know, oh, I have a trouble just getting on a roof, you know, fear of heights. You know, when we know that we are loved, when we know someone believes in us, you're capable of accomplishing more things than, if, than on your own. And God is with you, my friend. He is here for us. He is there to love us and to care for us. He has a purpose. He has a calling. He is there for us. He believes in us. He has this, this purpose for us. And that purpose may be times that we have ri- take risks. But we know that God loves us and he'll be there for us. I heard of a story, read a story about a nine-year-old uh, The name was Malachi Paul, who was just a young little kid who had auditioned for Britain's Got Talent. Now, this would be like a counterpart to the American Idol or The Voice. You know, where you go in and audition, and you know, you've seen the auditions, and they purposely put in there where where some mother or some father thinks that their little angel sings like, you know, the greatest and latest superstar. And then they, 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 and then they get upset because they didn't see what they were hearing out of their little son or daughter. But, but as the story goes, that, of course, if you win, you, you know, uh, you had this audition. But this, this young man, Mal- Malachi Paul, was his first audition. And when he, when he saw the crowd, he, he got stage fright. And he choked. He started singing. It was coming out all bad. And then really bad because he was afraid. He wasn't doing good at all. He was so embarrassed at his own work, he froze on stage and just stopped and started to cry. His single mom was standing in the wings, and she runs out and hugs him. I want you to know, unconditional love turns a loser into a winner. When we know that we're loved, and we know that that, uh, you know, things may not work out and we may be fearful and all that, but we know that God is there for us. He's waiting in the wings to hug us, to help us, to encourage us, to comfort us. It's a wonderful thing. We can take risks and be encouraged by God's love. 
my first purpose and your first purpose is to be loved by God. That's what God created us for. The last thing I want to look at is I worship instead of worry. We've talked a lot about worship recently and worship on Wednesday night. We had some great discussions about this. Uh, What is worship? Worship is simply expressing my love to God. Anytime you say, God, I love you, that's worship. We can do that anytime and anywhere. We can elevate God. We can praise God. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be in this building. It can be uh, in your car, going home, at work, at school, lying there at night, resting and talking to God and giving Him worship. Worship is simply a response. And we know that God loves us and because of that, of his first love for us, that we love him. My friend, our problem is not that you and I don't love God. I want you to get this. The problem is we just do not understand or believe how much God loves us. That is really the the tension with this message. That the thing that that friction that 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 needs to be uh, uh, have growth to come to understand how much God loves us, loves you, loves me. We can take a test of how we know that we are feeling that God loves us? Well, it's real simple. Worry. When you worry at the moment, you have forgotten how much God loves us. When you worry, worry is like, is like you know, it's actually act like thinking like an atheist, an atheist who doesn't believe in God, is that we're worrying, discounting not entering in, not thinking, not dwelling how much God loves us. Worry is saying, I've forgotten I have a heavenly Father who loves me, wants, that, wants what is best for me, and created me and is watching over me. Worry negates how much God loves us. And so, my friend, when we, when we worry... Let's choose to worship God. And we can do this when we accept the truth that God created me to be loved by Him. I read uh, a statement from a book that was written by a guy named Henry Nguyen. It's called a book, Life of the Beloved. And he writes these words. He says this about feeling love and being loved by God. He he said this about God. I have called you by name from the very beginning. God speaking to us. I've called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you, my favor rests. I have molded you in the depth of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have created you in the palms of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than than that of a mother of her child. 
I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. And wherever you go, I go with you. And wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own and as I, and as I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, your spouse. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will separate us. We are one. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we think about this subject. And it's something that we need to take from our head to our heart. That God, you love us. We are the, uh, the object of your love when you created us. We exist so that you could love. Father, we don't know the the depth of that. We kind of like see the, the top of the iceberg and there's so much under the surface of this truth. So Father, we ask that through the Holy Spirit that you will press upon us, teach us, help us to learn, coming to an understanding how deep the Father's love is to us. Father, if there would be one here today who does not know you personally, that right now that they are opening their heart to you, if they recognize that they're a sinner, and if they die in their sins, they'll be eternally separated from God, from your love. But God, you, you're reaching out. You're moving on their heart. You're speaking to them. And that is your love. That even when we didn't love you, you chose to love us and to call us into your family of God. And so, Father, I ask for that person that could be wrestling with us that they would yield right now and say, God, I, I believe in you. I believe in the gospel. I believe in Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins, both past, present, future sins. That he died on a cross, suffered, paid the penalty for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and because Jesus had the power over life, over sin, over the grave, that one day I will live again. And Father, I pray that every person in here knows Jesus Christ and have experienced the love of God. Now help us, Lord, to live our life, our calling, 
as one that you are totally in love with us. And that we have this confidence, this assurance, how much you love us. God, help us in our understanding of this great truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing one more song as we get ready to dismiss. But I want to remind you that the connection cards back there, if we could help you in any way, please write that on there. This offering a box if you'd like to give an offering this morning. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. And uh, we're here for you. I hope you have a great week and have a great Valentine's Day. Remember how much God loves you. You were created to be loved by Him. God bless.
go with God. Amen.